You can turn your Bibles to Psalm 127 this morning. And I believe the hum is a heater. I was worried that it was a speaker for a moment. But we're going to be um, looking at Psalm 127 again. And the title of the sermon this morning is Everything Belongs to the Lord. It's a new year. And uh, the way that last year went, um, I'm sure some of us were not 100% certain that today would come. But here we are in 2021, which still seems weird to say. I don't think I've said it out loud yet that it is 2021. Um, And we're here to gather and worship the Lord this morning. And so we can praise God that we have come shouting at in against 2020 and towards 2021 to the Father, your kingdom, do- your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to be looking again at Psalm 127 this morning and continuing the series, Salvation Belongs to the Lord, Faith in Times of Trouble. So Everything Belongs to the Lord is the title in hopes of um, maybe expanding our thoughts in terms of the sermon series. And hopefully, you'll be encouraged at the broader application that the salvation of God brings. So, I was encouraged to preach Psalm 127 um, because many of us, myself included, can be, make it difficult at times to be connecting the, to connect the truth of the gospel to things Uh, mundane. So it's easy to see the gospel in more of a abstract sense, like that's beautiful, like looking at a piece of art. But connecting the gospel to parenting, connecting the gospel to going to work, (laughs) connecting the gospel to those things that we do day in and day out um, that we don't really see as beautiful can be more difficult. And so I pray that you guys are encouraged, as I have been this um, week preparing this sermon, by, again, Psalm 127. And so the theme this morning is going to be, rest, everything belongs to the Lord. You're starting to see a theme. Rest, everything belongs to the Lord. So I hope as we enter 2021 that we can be encouraged in times of trouble to remember this truth, and trust in the salvation of God. So read with me as I read Psalm 127. There's five verses. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord and a fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate." So we're going to have two, um, two points this morning, two things, two ideas, two areas of your life that belong 
to the Lord. So first we're going to see your house belongs to the Lord. And we're going to understand your house belongs to the Lord by looking at vain builders, vain workers, and vain anxiety. So first, vain builders. Look at verse 1a again. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. What does it mean for the Lord to build your house? We're not talking about an extreme home makeover situation where you turn around from your property and you pray, dear God, please build my house. And then you turn around and, oh my goodness, it's beautiful. So we're not praying for a miraculous building of your house, literally. Now, will the Lord provide the things for that house? Sure. But again, we're not praying for a miraculous building of a structure. So what do we mean? What does Solomon mean as he writes Psalm 127? Solomon is not implying that we should seek a literal structure, but the vain builder, rather, is more mundane, again, and normal. The vain builder is someone that we know. The vain builder, at times, is likely us. So, the vain builder is one who hears that the builder of a house is worthy of more honor than the house itself, and so builds three houses. The vain builder loves honor and praise that comes from the fruit of his labors. The vain builder builds all kinds of structures. He builds his status. He builds his wealth. He builds his car. He builds his house. He builds his whatever it is because he loves the accolade that come from these structures, these ideas, these things. But we know that houses, cars, um, bank accounts, um, even status, like being well-renowned, uh, famous even, none of those things are bad in and of themselves, right? So how do we discern if we're a vain builder that's building these things into our life for our own glory? or if we're just blessed by God. When encountering issues of the heart, we would do well to consider um, one simple question that gives way to more questions uh, from the text. So the question from the text is, is the Lord building this or am I? So if we take any of those things, if we take our house, if we take our car, if we take our money, if we take our whatever it is, if we ask ourselves, is the Lord blessing and building this, or am I? How do you answer that question? So, is it for God's glory or my own? When you look at your own heart of hearts, are you looking to be seen or looking for others to see Jesus? Does it bless the local church? So whatever it may be, your building structure status, whatever, is it blessing your neighbor, your first neighbors, the local church? So is it a structure that is being used to bless your church? Or is it used to bless yourself alone? 
Does it place me in more community or less? So am I busying myself with this building so much that I haven't seen my neighbor? I haven't seen my family in weeks, months, years. Is it placing me in more community or less? The vain builder doesn't care for God's glory, whether or not they intend to. We're talking about the um, end of their desires, not the desires themselves. None of us here are ever saying out loud, I don't want to give God glory today. But we might say in a whisper in the back of our minds, it would be really nice if someone noticed, uh, you know, someone noticed me a little bit, noticed what I'm doing over here. So, the vain builder works day after day, forgetting the truth, the truth that unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So, we're going to follow that up um, in vain anxiety, but let's look at the vain worker as well. The vain builder seeks to um, get his own glory through the fruit, fruit of his labors, whereas the vain worker likes to be seen for the labor itself, okay? So, let's look at verse 1b. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Now, this feels disconnected from our, I mean, daily life, right? There's not a olive branch watchman, right? That's not a position that is held. But... The application that we can draw here is any vocation, okay? So whatever your job is, plug it in here. And yes, being a mother is a job. So plug it on in. So unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What does it mean for the Lord to watch over your city? How do we understand that today? Just as with vain builders, vain workers are not some abstract idea, um, but it's a concrete and um, common experience, even within the church. So if the vain builder seeks his own glory through the fruit of his labors, again, the vain worker seeks glory through the labor itself. So the vain worker hangs his hat upon long hours and hard work, all right? This is an ever-present battle for me. And I think most men, at least, I can't speak for women because I just don't know personally, but I struggle not to let everyone know how hard I work, right? So I work long hours. I work hard, but I'm not satisfied with that. I want people to see me working long hours and see me working hard right? The vain worker. Man, I'm tempted to truly believe that my hard work alone is providing for my family. I'm tempted to believe that my long hours alone are doing anything to affect my family or this world. I forget that unless the Lord watches over the city, 
the watchman stays awake in vain. I can have sleepless nights from today all through 2021, and I would stay awake in vain if I don't recognize that I don't deserve glory for my long hours. Parents, are you watching your children in vain? Pray to the Lord who sees and never slumbers. Spouses, are you working and striving to provide and to manage your household and whatever else in vain? Pray to the Lord who works and never tires. Singles, are you searching and frustrated to find your partner in vain? Pray to the Lord who has been and is waiting since the fall of man to bring his bride home. Children, are you watching the clock to become an adult in vain? Pray to the Lord who came to us as an infant and waited patiently for his time to atone our sin. Rest from your vain working. Rest from your vain building. Your house and everything in it belongs to the Lord. In times of trouble, you can rest from your working knowing that the Lord will bring the increase. So vain anxiety. It is in, this is verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Josh and Vanna just had a uh, baby, as most, if not all of you know. And so I am sure that hearing this verse is nothing short of overwhelming encouragement. Sleep is given to the beloved of God. Your house belongs to the Lord is summarized by this example of anxiety paired with the free gift of God. Christian, know and despair that no amount of labor is enough and no fruit of your labor is valuable. All is vanity and striving after wind. You will exhaust yourself in your works and then you will die accomplishing nothing. Woo! All right, we can, that's it. Uh, we can go. We can go home. We're done. You'll be exhausted, and you'll die doing nothing. You may build houses, castles, and kingdoms in your name, but all of these will crumble to dust along with your name. Do not give in to vain anxiety over vain buildings and vain work. In direct contrast to this vain building and vain working, we see the blessing of God freely given to his people, for he gives his beloved sleep. The sleep of God's beloved is not something that we earn or strive for, but rather sleep is freely given to those who rest from their works. They rest from their vain building 
they rest from their vain working, and they believe the good news that everything, their house and everything in it, belongs to the Lord. So do not be anxious over tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Rest, everything belongs to the Lord. In times of trouble, you can sleep soundly, knowing that the Lord will keep what is his. Recall Hebrews 4, 9, and 10 uh, from what we heard read this morning. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Your house belongs to the Lord, and your heritage, our second point, your heritage belongs to the Lord. Let's continue reading. Behold the children, behold children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. A reward. Today's society thinks that children are a burden. What makes you different, Christian? Are you just a better person? Probably not. Do you simply enjoy sleepless nights, increased financial burden, bodily fluids firing in all directions, or rebellious children questioning everything that you say? Seems doubtful. And for any of us who are parents who have forgotten sleepless nights, again, I turn you to Josh and Vanna, who can tell you in recent experience of sleepless nights. And honestly, Rose is only a year old, and I already forget that stuff. I don't have any, like, hormonal, super magical whatever that makes me forget things like women do, but I still manage to forget half of the things, you know, that happens in that first three to six months of life for a baby. Anyway, no, we all hate those times. I mean, it's beautiful, and we get to bond, and that's glorious, and it is, and we love our children, but nobody loves sleepless nights. Nobody loves cleaning bodily fluids. Nobody loves rebellious children. We're not better than the rest of the world, so what do we have to say that is actually different than the rest of the world? How can we as Christians say that children are a reward and a heritage from God? We see two examples given in the passage. And this is Solomon. So Solomon is always giving hyper-practical examples, right? And we're going to look at those practical examples and see a broader application as well. So the weapon of God in verse 4. So we're looking at the heritage of the Lord and we're looking at the weapon of God. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. First, we see that children are weapons in the hands of a warrior. But who is the warrior? When I first uh, started doing study, and it made it to the first copy of the manuscript, actually, I was convinced initially that the warrior was the parent in question. Right? So 
the person that gave life to this arrow was the warrior in whose hand the arrow resided. I am now convinced, however, that the warrior is not you, Father, but it is our heavenly Father. So it is not you, Christian, that wields these arrows for your good and for your welfare, but it is the Father himself who defends his children with their children. Isn't it a glorious thought? All of us worry that we will mess up our kids or that we're not parenting them correctly, and I just want to assure you all, you will absolutely mess up your kids. You will absolutely fail them. I'm lots of times. They're going to grow up and they're going to say, Mom, Dad, I remember when you did this and I didn't like it. And I'm going to do it differently when I have kids. And they'll be right. You, I, am a failure. Praise God that these arrows are in the hands of the Father and not in mine. So if you're tempted towards despair that you're not wielding your children well, rejoice that they are not truly in your hands, but rather they are in the hands of your heavenly Father who gave them to you as a reward. They are still his. Parents, you need only point your children toward the good news, the good and right way, and repent. Parents, repent when you fail them. We have to ask Asher already. We would ask Rose, but, you know, she doesn't understand. But we have to ask Asher for, to forgive us. We haven't made it three years. I don't know what any of you guys with teenagers are doing. Like... I don't know how you guys are hacking that. I can't handle a toddler. Repent to your children and point them towards the good and right way. And the good and right way is not that they should be good and do right, but the good and right way is that Jesus was good and he has done right. They, like you, can repent and believe today that your failure, parent, is covered in the blood of Christ and their failures, children, are covered by the blood for those who repent and believe. It is not your job, parents, to give birth to your children twice. Just as they were delivered from you, mom, so must they be delivered by the Father in the power of the blood through the Spirit. Rest from your vain striving, parent, and rest knowing that your children, their welfare, your welfare, and their salvation are in the hands of the Father, not yours. Rest and rejoice knowing that these arrows belong to the Lord and he will use your children accordingly. 
Furthermore, the children of our youth are tools of God for our flourishing and sanctification. And so the, one of the key, uh, key things there is our sanctification, right? So the blessing of God, keep that in mind. The blessing of God in verse 5. So we see the weapon, weapon of God and the blessing of God. Verse 5, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So if you would permit me, I'm going to give us a brief biblical theology of children or offspring. Um, Biblical theology is the practice of seeing how any theme or idea is understood by the story of the entire Bible, okay? So taking the entire story of God's salvation and then using that to interpret a concept or idea. So to do this, we'll take a brief look at how God reveals the purpose of children and offspring throughout the salvation story of your Bible. First, children have been the hope of parents from the beginning. Look at Adam and Eve. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The hope of all creation rests upon you giving birth, women. Now we're looking back, of course. But salvation has come through giving birth to a messy, weird-shaped head for the first 24 hours, infant. The hope of all creation is at the feet of a woman. Her children shall crush the serpent and restore all creation to order. As we continue, we see this hope unveiled further looking at Abraham. So looking at Genesis 12, 2 and 3 and verse 7. And I will make of you a great nation, says God to Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families, a family would be like a mommy bear and a daddy bear and a baby bear, right? So children involved, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram, verse 7, and said to your offspring, singular, I will give this land. And so jumping ahead. There's more that we could look at, but obviously for time, we're going to jump straight to how the Apostle Paul interprets this interaction with Abraham. Look at Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, singular. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is, who do you think? Somebody say Jesus. Jesus, because they're afraid to talk. And to your offspring, who is Christ, says Paul in Galatians 3.16. So how do we understand what Psalm 127 from this 
theology of children, this theology of offspring. In verse 5, Solomon has offered us an immensely practical outworking of hope, um, painting the picture of a father who stands accused, like he's on trial, okay? And so the father, standing accused by his enemies, um, has a multitude of children to take the witness stand in his defense, all right, so the gate is where trials would be held. It's sort of like the courthouse and the marketplace, and the, they do everything at the gate. I don't really know why. I don't know how that works, but they did everything at the gate. And so the enemies making accusation at the gate would have been a court-type proceeding. If accusation was to be made, though, to this blessed man with a full quiver, it had to be made against the combined testimony of a quiver full of children. So the children of one's youth come together to give a character witness to their father. So this may have been something that the psalmist, Solomon, was experiencing at the time. This may have been something that he was writing from a real, immediate experience that the original readers would have, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that happening. But regardless, the practical application is the children of your youth have immediate practical blessing to you. The immediate practical blessing is simply that they will grow up and take care of you. So, when we take this immediate, practical example of Solomon and we look at the entire Bible and the way that it talks about children, this is how these things come together. So, not only are children practical, verifiable blessings to your life, children who grow up take care of their parents, but also children point to Jesus, by God's grace, we get to see the full revelation of God through his completed word. We know of one offspring who is truly a mighty arrow, who the warrior, the father, plunged into the heart of the enemy, Satan. We know of one offspring who bursts forth into the courtroom to advocate on our behalf, Jesus stands before the Father today advocating for you, Christian. We know of one offspring through whom all the nations will be blessed. This is not a Jewish gathering here today. We Gentiles, I Gentile, have been welcomed into the family of Abraham because through Abraham, Jesus, all the nations have been blessed. Be encouraged, Christian, that in Jesus, we can be blessed by our children because our children, regardless of their faith and repentance, the very fact that you birthed them points to Jesus. Children Show us Christmas. Children, show us the gospel, the incarnation of Christ. 
and be blessed knowing that there, there was a righteous child raised by his righteous father whose righteousness is given freely to all who believe. There's no qualifier for this blessing. The verse doesn't say blessed is the strong man or blessed is the skilled man or blessed is the intelligent man. Those with a full quiver are simply blessed because each arrow is in the hand of our father, the mighty warrior. Do not let your vain striving and anxious worrying keep you from the Sabbath rest of God. Jesus is your rest. Jesus is your reward. So let your quiver be full of arrows coated in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In times of trouble, you can sleep soundly knowing that everything is the Lord's and that the Lord is in control. So as we conclude, I'm going to read a verse from All Glory Be to Christ which we sang last week. But it quotes my psalm this morning, and we're singing it again after the sermon. Listen as I read, and then consider as you sing when Josh comes. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive. Unless the Lord does raise the house, it's in vain, its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me, what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. As we enter into a new year, recall and rejoice with me that your salvation and everything in your house belongs to the Lord. In times of trouble, sleep soundly knowing that your house, your work, your children, your stuff, your money, your whatever belongs to the Lord who is in control. In Jesus, we have Sabbath rest from our vain building and working through his works. We can rest because he worked for us. In Jesus, we have a heritage and a reward the birth of our children, because he was born. Respond to the word this morning as you are led. I'll be in the front. Your house belongs to the Lord, Cedarview. Your heritage belongs to the Lord, Christian. Rest, everything belongs to the Lord. If you would pray with me.